Gale's open, they're away in the Golden Slipper, there's a great start, and Mick Mitt Basque on the extreme outside is about the first out, Jeff Boyle. Jackler on the outside, lunging, but Catlin opening just in front, Jackler trying desperately, can't reach him. Catlin opening has lasted to win the Doncaster by a hit to Jackler. This Iron podcast is brought to you by Harness Racing New South Wales. Harness Racing New South Wales has established a much-needed initiative to help harness racing participants who are struggling with personal issues through these tough times. It's called Mates for Harness, and it offers a helping hand to anybody struggling with the ravages of drug or alcohol abuse, domestic violence or mental illness. Mates for Harness is there for anybody needing a helping hand. The support group is headed up by the very experienced Morris Logue, Chaplain Colin Watts and a sports psychologist Oliver Britt. Ambassadors are on standby all over the state. In the metro area, it's Darren Binskin. The Hunter, Peter Allen. The Northwest, Leanne Flower. The Western Districts, Amy Reese. The Riverina, Seren Adams. And the Far West, Steve and Marie Robinson. If you need to talk to somebody, Mates for Harness can help www.matesforharness.com.au or ring Morris Logue on 0400-984-193. You don't need to be alone. Talk it over with a mate. The hereditary factor in the families of harness horsemen and women has been prevalent since the sport began in Australia. You could fill a page with the names of current trainers and drivers who were second, third or fourth generation participants. Names like Gath, Lang, Turnbull, McCarthy, Fitzpatrick and the name we're going to feature on this podcast. 30-year-old Brad Hewitt is a member of a dynasty of horsemen from the New South Wales Central Tablelands. Brad's great-grandfather, Harold, was one of the best horsemen of his generation, as was his late grandfather, Tom. Brad's father, David, and his uncles, Bernie and Mark, have had great success in the sport, while several brothers and cousins have also inherited the trotting genes. Brad learned the fundamentals on his grandfather's property at Crookwell, where he first climbed aboard a trotting sulky at eight years of age. He was driving fast work in his very early teens and by the time he applied for his own trainer driver's licence in 2006, he had a very good handle on the care and training of the standard bred horse. Just a few months ago, Brad reached the important milestone of 500 wins as a driver, having trained more than half of those himself. He currently trains a team of 15 horses while his father David prepares a similar number and both are based on the Goulburn Paceway, one of the best country trotting precincts in the state. To Brad Hewitt, harness racing is much more than a livelihood. It's his passion and his way of life. He joins us on the podcast. Great to catch up, Brad. No worries, John. Thanks for having me. Well, you've been busy. You were at Wagga on Friday where you won a race with I Can Bolt and you were at Menangle on Saturday night where you drove a winner for Dad, Smooth Sailor. Yeah, no, we had a couple of good good days and yeah, a few things went, went our way, so yeah, it was really good. Our triple play ran third. He's one of your favourites. Has he got another win or two in him? Uh, well, hopefully, John. Um, he's just sort of a 
day-to-day proposition. He'd, he'd done a tendon uh, yeah, a bit over two years ago now, and he had 18 months off the scene. But mm. yeah, he's come back and he's been absolutely flying lately. Like his last oh, half a dozen runs have been really top shelf, and he went super again last night. He's just yeah, mm. got a he's a lot better around the half mile tracks than at Menangle, but <clears throat> he's just as honest as the day is long. Yeah, just a matter of him holding together now, eh? Yeah, that's it. Yeah. You mm. sort of never know when they got a crook legs and that on them, but yeah, hopefully yeah. you can stay together. Now, Goulburn is an ideal venue for a professional trotting man who needs to take his horses where they can win. For the better horses, Menangle's a pretty comfortable trip up the freeway. Yeah, that's right, John. It's only an hour and a half. Like, besides Canberra, it's our closest track, but mm. we do everywhere else in sort of two to three hours, like Bathurst is only two and a half away, Woggers, yeah, you do it in just under three, Young's only two, so we're pretty central to everywhere, and even if we, we have to, we rarely go there, but even Newcastle, it's only, you can do it in under four hours too, so we can sort of go wherever we need to. Mm. In addition to that, Goulburn offers top-class on-course stabling, and you get to work your horses on that beautiful 1,000-metre track. Yeah, that's right, John. It's yeah, a big benefit, I think, being able to work them on a thousand metre track, especially the the speed and that, that they're they're all running now. Like it's a lot better on their joints and yeah, not twisting and turning like on the little tracks. And mm. we've got a nice um, oh, twelve hundred metre sand track here too to to jog mm. them on and yeah, canter them on when when it's in action. The flood washed it away oh, a month ago, but hopefully mm. it's up and running in the next couple of weeks. Mm. What are your memories of your grandfather, Tom, who was an old-world horseman? He did everything himself. He could train. He was a capable race driver in the early days. He could shoe them. He could attend to their teeth. And I guess living on properties a long way from anywhere, those old-time horsemen had to learn to do it themselves. Yeah, that's right, John. And, yeah, sort of my memories is yeah, all that, like you said, and he was a – Hard old man, like he was tough but fair, and uh, a lot of it used to be just horses running around everywhere because he used to stand a couple of stallions there when when we were kids, and there's yeah, mm. would have been over a hundred mares and that running about the place, so everything was mm. pretty full on. But yeah, Grenad was sort of my idol, like I'm lucky to be really close to him when we were mm. growing up, and yeah, it was sort of sad when he passed away, but um, he sort of passed that on to. Uh, Dad and Vern and Mark and Jenna, mm. like we're all sort of, and then through through to us, like we can all yeah sort of show them and do everything ourselves with them. So yeah, it's yeah. a good trait to have. Was Tom the kind of bloke who would freely offer advice, or did you have to ask? Yeah, no, he sort of yeah, kept to himself, like pretty much like around us and that. Anyway, I was I was only you know, I think I was seventeen when he passed away, but yeah, he's a Real had a cheeky sort of way about him that mm. uh, those that knew him yeah, all loved to be around him. But um, yeah, I was sort of too young to be yeah, gets to that stage asking yeah. for advice and stuff like that. But yeah, I would have mm. would have loved to. But yeah, he was quick to tell you if you're doing something wrong. That's for sure. Oh, but well, your dad David and his brothers Bernie and Mark all had the benefit of Tom's expertise, and they've all gone on to great success in their own right. They've obviously kept pace with the changes in training methods, but I'll bet there are still things they do 
that uh, the way Tom used to do it. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, especially with all the the young ones, and like even we made all our um, foals and that ourselves too. But yeah, obviously everything they do, they've learnt from from Grandad and out the farm, and yeah, all the uncles and that they can all pull their hand to anything. Like they're all shearers before they were horse trainers. It was sort of just on the side, but. And so, yeah, got sick of that. I give that away, and yeah, all took up the horses full time. Mm. There was one girl in the family, your auntie Jenna, who could drive fast work, and she could do all the things that needed to be done. But Tom made it very clear early in Jenna's life that she wouldn't be driving in races, which at the time was a very male-dominated business. Yeah, no, it would have been like Jenna. She's a uh, from what Dad and everyone said, she was more than capable of doing everything and good sportswoman could sort of do anything and it's come through the kids. Like they've all played representative footy and that um, with Raiders and things like that. But, yeah, it's, uh, the family's all done really well. Mm. Jenna became the mum of yet another harness horseman in Dennis Picker who's had great success. Yeah, well, I think when once Grant got in the family the bug sort of bit him and he had a trainer's and driver's license too. Mm. Like he, he got a few winners driving. So he, he yeah, got caught up in it as well. And then, yeah, passed it on to Dennis. He, he loved it. And mm. all the boys like Ben and Joe and Mick, they've all raced horses with him as well. So Amazing. Yeah, mm. yeah, very much family orientated. Just to complete the genetic structure of your background, your mother Marie is a member of the Day Trotting Dynasty and they've been very active in the sport and continue to be. I see Neil won a race at Wagga on Friday and you'd see the Days every day at the Goulburn Track, I imagine. Yeah, that, that's right, John. I actually, yeah, travel down with Neil like whenever we're in around the same races and that and it works out. Like we uh, jump in the truck together and mm. yeah, always take the horses together and yeah, spend a bit of time, have, have a couple of beers on the way home, and it was good to come home with a couple of winners the other day. I'll say. When it was time for your dad, David, and his brothers, Bernie and Mark, to establish themselves in the game, they all decided to move to different locations. Dad went to Goulburn. Bernie initially went to the lagoon near Bathurst and later he moved to George's Plains, and Mark settled in Grenfell. They were like fledglings leaving the nest. Yeah, that's right, John. It's sort of just, yeah, you get to that stage in life, like you get, yeah, you get married and have kids and you sort of want to do your own thing and even just to grow your own business, you, you sort of can't hang around forever. But, yeah, the opportunities present themselves yeah, for everyone to go and do their own thing and, yeah, it's all worked out well. You went to primary school in Crookwell. You went to high school in Goulburn. Now, was there ever a moment when you contemplated breaking away from the trotting background and following a different path? Did it ever cross your mind? No, not for me, John, but mum was determined for, or said to all of us uh, from Tom, who uh, teenagers coming through school and that, that we're all going to get a trade before we left school and we're not doing horses and this mm. and that. But, yeah, that was never a hope in hell of happening. Your brothers, Sam and Scott, are totally committed to the industry. Sam trains very capably, but he's also developed a healthy reputation as a breaker of yearlings. I believe he's pretty good at it. 
Yeah, that's right, Johnny. He does a really good job on them. He spends a fair bit of time and gets them educated well, and they keep sending him back for the yeah sort of second and third preps with them. And they're yeah, obviously happy with the job he does on them. But um, yeah, a few good trainers send them to him. Mm-hmm. And who are they? Oh, uh, Dean and Kerry McDowell. That they send all theirs to get break in, and Shannon Price. Like everything mm-hmm. she buys from the sales, she sends them up as well and yeah there's a couple others but yeah they're all obviously happy with the job he does Mm. scott also trains a few of his own but he has expanded his business as a farrier which keeps him pretty busy i think he does a few of the local gallopers too doesn't he yeah that's right johnny he's sort of doing the shoeing full time but they sort of get a bit sick of it day to day doing all that plus trying to do his own horses so he's at yeah cut back on the shoeing Doing so many, but he's yeah, does a lot of the local um, galloping stables here, and yeah, he's uh, working about yeah, probably a dozen or fifteen of his own. So that's enough to keep you busy. Mm. And your sister Jess can drive them; she can do any of the chores associated with them. But right at the moment, a university degree is her principal focus. Yeah, that's right. I think she's doing a bachelor of psychology at. Uni, I think so. That's yeah, mm. spent on that for the last few years and going ahead really good with that. So, yeah, she's got to focus elsewhere. Mm. Every jockey, every harness driver, every trainer remembers with affection his or her first win. Now, Dad puts you on a horse called Nifty Hare at Canberra, February the 3rd, 2008. But I'm not sure whether this win was by design or accident, Brad, because Dad had two runners in the race. He elected to drive Trixie Way, which finished near the tail of the field. Did he pull the wrong rein or what? Uh, no, I just said uh, when they come through, we sort of um, broke that horse in, Nifty Hair, and as you, uh, you get your own sort of horses and that, you sort of deal with through the stable and I yeah. Mm. Uh, had him from an early age, and I just used to always work him. But uh, he was my first winner. I think Tracy Way was actually one of Granddad's, and it was a terrible thing to drive. He used to reef and pull and <laughs> carry on. So Dad was probably stuck with that one. You were old enough to have a few race drives at Harold Park before it closed its doors in 2010. You drove a few winners there, the first of which was a nice little horse called Super C. You'll be telling your grandkids one day, Brad, that you drove winners at Harold Park. You've got great memories of the place. Yeah, that's right. I know to love Harold Park. Like, the only thing that was bad about it was yeah, getting to the joint, especially Friday Arvo traffic. You wouldn't know if it was going to take two and a half or three and a half or four hours to get there. But mm. yeah, the actual place itself was, yeah, I used to love racing there. There's, there's been nowhere come close to. Yeah, the atmosphere and the feeling of driving at Harold Park, yeah, I, I really loved it. Mm, it just had a something about it. It was unique, wasn't it? Yeah, that's right. The grandstand was yeah, straight over the track and just the noise it could create when the grandstand was, oh, it didn't even have to be half full and it'd be yeah. a good noise and that. But, yeah, just the atmosphere there was yeah, like nowhere else you would ever see. Mm. Oh, I never went to Mooney Valley, but everyone says it used to be Really good, but I never got the chance to go there. No, very different to Harold Park, of course, because the trotting track was inside the galloping track. They were a long way away. Yeah, yeah. 
When the Menangle Speedway commenced operations, all drivers had to get used to it. It's a totally different style of racing to the half-mile tracks. They don't come up for air. Yeah, that's right, John. It's a yeah, completely different style to anywhere else, even to the 1,000-metre tracks. Like, you get some horses that can yeah, be flying, going out in the bush, like going 53 or 54 around Bathurst or Wagga, and mm. you take them down and think they run a real, real good race at Menangle, and yeah, some of them just can't can't go there. But yeah, you'd probably know yourself with different horses, you fly around little tracks and mm. they'll be running the time and you take them to Menangle and some of them just can't handle it and mm. others yeah, can grow a leg there. Yep, I had a couple like that. <laughs> now, where did your colours come from, Brett? Green and yellow diamonds with brown sleeves. Uh, well, just, yeah, I always said to Grandad just um, yeah, through the years when I was growing up, I said when he ever finishes, um, would I be able to have his colours because I think Mark had um, Grandad's father's colours, Harold's, they were his colours and, uh, yeah, I asked Grandad if, if it'd be all right when he finished if I could have his. So, yeah, when mm. he passed away, yeah, I just yeah, took over the colours. So it's mm. yeah, great to keep them going. Oh, it's lovely. Now, let's highlight some of the horses who've helped you to make your way in a very tough business. Sitting proudly at the top of your honour roll, is Spare Me Days, who only just recently was declared champion led in standard bred at the Sydney Royal. He's still a stallion, isn't he? Yeah, that's right, John. Yeah, he's still a bull. Goodness me, you wouldn't expect uh, a stallion to be in the led in class at the Royal Easter. No, he's just uh, the most beautiful horse you'd ever yeah, have the pleasure of dealing with. Uh, you wouldn't know that he was a stallion. Like, he's been the same all the way through. He's just such a beautiful horse and yeah, I was sort of contemplating um, breeding a couple to him, but mm. like, he'd gone 150 and won nearly half a million, but mm. yeah, with all the stands you can sort of go to now and yeah, not really that big in the breeding anyway, but I thought he gets a great chance to go and live out his life like a king for the rest of his life, so I was yeah. more than happy to send him the duty. Mm. Firstly, the origins of his unusual name. Now, your grandfather, Tom, was a man who never, ever swore, not even if a half-tonne horse trod on his foot. He had an old-world expression that said it all. Any shock, any frustration, any disappointment, what would he say? <laughs> yeah, that's what, right, John, I never heard him swear in my life, but... Yeah, whenever something would happen, he'd just go, oh, God, spare me days. So, yeah, that's where <laughs> yeah, he got his name from. It was, yeah, I was thrilled to, that it got through. So, yeah. he wrote, and for a horse to be such a, or do such a good job, and yeah, everyone knew him, it was a yeah, great yeah. story. Oh, it's a great story and a good name. Once you get used to these uh, offbeat names, uh, they can be very, very appealing. Yeah, like you've probably heard all them sayings before. I've never heard anyone since, that, that's for sure. It's more of a, an old-time saying, but, yeah, I loved it. Now, Brad, uh, say that again. You think I might remember that expression. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? I do. I, I do remember it. Well, he's been a wonderful horse for you. He, he was a 2011 foal and he was by a horse called If I Had Your Luck 
And by crikey, he could pop up with a nice horse every now and again. Yeah, we actually had a few of them, John, and we actually liked them. Everything we had by, if I had your luck, all could run. I had another little – Dad had another little filly, Dabro's Dream. She raced in the Sire Stakes final. I think she went fourth or something like that, but she mm. hurt herself and sort of never raced past that. And she won a few at Harold Park as well. It's a mm. three-year-old filly, but, yeah, we had a couple more that everything we – sort of had by if you had your luck could all go a bit he, he wasn't the worst now and that's for sure mm. well i only had one uh, in my time as a trainer and it was a pretty useful little mare called i'm tondaleo oh yeah i remember the mare well mm. she was by if i had your luck now your horse spare me days is out of a mare who is by the very good horse that your grandfather stood at stud nickelong shadow he got a heap of winners yeah, that's right, John. And that uh, his mother, I actually yeah, drove her a couple of times for for Grenad before he passed. And then yeah, once mm. once he did, he, um, he for all the kids at Dadane's uh, birthday, he'd give them all each a horse. And mm. yeah, it was just yeah, Grenad passed away. Uh, yeah, I think it was twelve months before I was eighteen. And um, yeah, so we've done a lot of work with Tal Nikki getting her going because she just would not go a yard. If she wasn't in the death or three wide, if she was back in the field, like especially last, over a mile, she would just tail off. She got stood down about three or four times because she just wouldn't go. If, mm. if she wasn't put into the race, mm. she just wouldn't go a yard. So she got barred from mile racing and only ever raced over yeah, the 2,100. Mm. And we're talking about Spare Me Days Dam. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, she's just, but she's a beautiful pacer and a real good looking mare. And yeah, that's, yeah, I thought you could do worse than breed the one with her. And yeah. that's what I come, out, come up with. Yeah, well, Spare Me Days won a two year old breeders' challenge. He won a bull eye cup at Menangle in a very strong field, I remember. And his favourite race, Brad, was the Young Cup. He won it three times. He also ran second in a truer memorial and he ran third in a Victoria Derby final. What a lovely old horse. Yeah, he's just yeah, life-changing for me, John. Like, that's, yeah, it's a lot of, you need a lot of luck in this game and I was yeah, fortunate enough to yeah, breed and own one like him and he really yeah, kicked things off. But he was yeah, a beautiful horse. I mean, travelled around everywhere with him, went to Queensland, Victoria and... And just uh, everywhere around the countryside in New South Wales here, and uh, you never ever let you down. No. And the horse we mentioned earlier, our triple play, who's been battling with a leg injury, but ran a very good race at Menangle on Saturday night. Now, he's a horse you purchased from New Zealand after four race starts for a syndicate of mates, and he's been a terrific money spinner. 17 wins and 24 placings, our triple play. He won an intercity pace at Maitland. He won a four-year-old championship in Brisbane. And let's hope he holds together for you because he's got a ton of ability. Now, he was one of four winners you had one night at Young, and this is easily your biggest night at the trots. You took four horses to a Young meeting and they all won. Our triple play won the derby. Spare Me Days won the cup. You won the Oaks with She's a Sharpie and you won another race on the program with Recipe for Dreaming. How many did you expect to win? Uh, well, yeah, I thought I was a good chance of yeah, coming home with 
a couple. I thought the recipe for dreaming could lead and win because he was, I think, second up from New Zealand just in a low-graded race. And then uh, I thought she's a sharp who would be hard to beat just because she drew well and uh, mm. she'd been racing in uh, Oaks races as well. And then, yeah, sort of the cup race with old spammy days. Mm. Yeah, I thought it, it was going good, but obviously you need a lot of luck when you're racing against horses like that. I think Frith might have even been in it. She might have been favourite. Yeah, and she then, was. Frith, yeah. Yeah, well, she was flying at the time. And, mm. and then yeah, it was a little fella, triple play in the derby. I think he drew inside the second line. He might have all – he drew awkward anyway. I, mm. Same thing. You know he's always going to run a, a good race, but – yeah, needed a bit of luck. I think something galloped first corner and got out and things worked out and he ended up in front somehow, but yeah, we had a bit of luck. Yeah, it's the best night of had the races, that's for sure. Uh, I mean, they're freakish uh, occurrences, aren't they? Everything went right in all four races. Yeah, in such all well, three of them, like the Derby, Oaks and yeah. the, the Carp, like, yeah, in such good races, it's yeah, a lot different to just, yeah, getting four winners at... Yeah, Monday night at Canberra or something like that, but to yeah, do it in meeting. feature races like that, it was yeah, it was mm. a great thrill. You started buying horses from New Zealand a few years ago now, and you obviously sourced the right ones. Uh, you've had a good run with them, Brad. You've had few failures, if any. Yeah, that's right, John. Yeah, had a bit of luck. I think um, on, on JT was our the first one we ever bought, and I think he won about six straight and then that's what sort of kicked it all off getting that because I think it's everyone's yeah, fathers and yeah, just mates and that around town they all pricked their ears and seen that it was all from JT because I think he yeah, he won six in a row and took him to Brisbane I think he ran third or fourth in the derby up there but he done a, a great job for us and he sort of really got the ball rolling. Mm. A gelding called Tullo was one of your New Zealand acquisitions and he won 16 races here, including a Canberra Cup. Now, one of Tullow's owners was your great mate, Jared Croker, the elite rugby league centre, captain of the Canberra Raiders and the top try scorer and the highest point scorer in the club's history. You and Jared played junior football together. What team was that? Uh, yeah, it was just a local team here. I think it was a Golden Stockman when we were juniors and they've changed names of Golden Workers. And mm. um, But, yeah, we sort of just come up with the same same age and, yeah, come up through footy and then just knew each other, like, through mates and that, like, around, around mm. the same age as you yeah, get older and yeah, it's just all gone from there. Mm. Did you get him interested in the trots or did it just happen? Oh, it sort of just happened because his father's pretty keen on the gallopers and he's yeah. in one or two of them. And then he was talking one night. I said, why don't you try and like come in with one of these? Like, it would be a bit of fun. And, yeah, the first horse he, he bought was on JT. That's the first mm. one he came in. And, yeah, when he came out and won six or seven straight, he just, yeah, was hooked then and yeah, yeah. converted his, his dad too. Like, he's in all them, like, on triple play and – um, that's what I said. There's another horse I had, um, yeah. Rockin' with Elvis. He ran second in the Breeders' Challenge final. Oh. Um, who else is there? Yeah, there's been a heap like, that sort of oh. just eventuated all, all from that. Does he try to get to the races when he can? Yeah, he loves it. He actually come to um, – well, 
I oh, didn't get the bathers for the. I had a skater artist in the gold crown final there. He couldn't make that because they played footy that night. But mm. he come to Wagga last week for the um, Riverina Championships day there, and mm. yeah, Sender only just got beat yeah, a neck or something in in that. But yeah, he loves mm. being able to get to the races when he can. Mm. We're recording this on a Sunday morning, Brad, and I imagine the Raiders will be licking their wounds as we speak. Yeah, he's been pretty quiet this morning. I'd say he's still got his tail planted firmly between his legs. <laughs> Sounds like it. Now, Jared shared in the ownership of three winners on one night at Canberra in 2015. This was his best night yet. My trial by jury, Monterey Jack and Tullo. He, he, he was, was actually in them um, three horses at Young too, John. He's, he's, yeah. he's in She's a Sharpie. Yeah. Uh, recipe for Dreaming and our triple play. Good. So he's uh, done it a couple of times. He's had two trebles. Yeah. Yeah. You bought a lovely Mac 3 mare from New Zealand a few years ago uh, with whom you won seven races, including a four-year-old championship at Albion Park. Now, I've got to ask you this. She was driven that night by the late, great Gavin Lang. Where were you? I was there. I was actually yeah, suspended at the time, and ah. yeah, we just—he was up there driving. I think for Philadelphia man from memory in the Blacks of Fake. So, hmm. thought there's no better driver. Yeah, well, yeah, obviously a lot better driver than me, and yeah, couldn't put anyone better on than Gavin Lang. And yeah, he drove hmm. her a treat, and she went enormous that night. Must have been a big thrill for you because he's been one of your idols, hadn't he? Yeah, ever since yeah, been travelling with horses, like even at, at Harrow Park and Menangle, when you'd come up, he'd always give you the time of day. He was just such a gentleman. But yeah, when I started taking horses down to Victoria, it was probably, yeah, it was spammy days as a three-year-old when I went down to the Derby. He just saw, yeah, always give you the time of day. And he'd actually go out of his way to come and mm. say good day. He's, yeah, he's a legend in my eyes. Yeah. Now, I haven't mentioned the name of that mare, Brad. Yeah, Sweet Molly O'Shea. She was just, yeah. yeah Sweet Molly O'Shea. A sad story from a breeding viewpoint. She's had two foals, you tell me, by embryo transfer, but she can't conceive in her own right. Yeah, that's right, John. She's yeah, just a tragedy around. She yeah, got finished up here. She went through a tendon in track work. Like she was ready to race and yeah, just went wrong up the straight one day and yeah, cut a tendon, so that finished her, got her operated on. Like, and the reason we bought her was just for breeding purposes because she was a – I think her mother was a half-sister to um, Molly Darling. Ooh. You know what, what such a good mare she was, but mm. yeah, had the, yeah, all the plans in the world to yeah, breed foals out of her and make some money at the year on sales. But, yeah, it's mm. all come to a hold, unfortunately, but – yeah, that's what can happen in this game. Brad, we'll just pause for a moment to clear a commitment on the podcast. Back with Brad Hewitt after this. It's good times all round at Harness Racing across New South Wales as the state's finest horses and drivers go wheel to wheel. With something for everyone, a trip to the trots is the perfect place to take family and friends. It's easy, affordable and action-packed, so get down to your local track and experience it firsthand. Get all the info at harnessmediacentre.com.au and we'll see you at the track for good times all round. 
Now you had a, another very unlucky mayor called Supriya, a very talented filly who suffered two horrendous mishaps. The second one ended her life. You thought the world of her. Yeah, that's right, John. She was no no star, that, that's for sure, but she would have got to sort of Saturday night class and yeah, done a really good job for us. I, all the Raiders fellas were in here. Her, there was yeah, Elliot Whitehead, Jared, mm. uh, Sam Williams, Shannon Boyd, Ricky Stewart, he was in her, mm. and there's yeah, a couple others, like Luke Bateman, there was a couple others there too, but yeah, she was kicking goals for us and she would have won uh, five or six for us, I think, but um, yeah, put her out in the paddock for a few weeks break and yeah, she ended up getting kicked in the shoulder and yeah. shattered her shoulder and um, yeah, well, it, they said she was yeah, finished and had to operate on her to save her and of course it, yeah, wanted to keep it, like just do it anyway and mm. um, yeah, keep it to, to breathe because she was just such a sweet little horse but mm. um, done all that and got her back to, nurse her back to health and she was sort of good to go again, had to have stable rest for yeah, eight weeks or whatever it was. And then, um, yeah, when she was ready to go, she went out to the paddock again then and got bit by a snake. So good yeah, she, she had no luck at all, the poor thing. Supriya, is that how you pronounced it? Yeah, yeah, that's how, what we yeah. used to call her. Two other nice New Zealand mares to come your way were My Casino Bell and She's a Sharpie. You won half a dozen with my casino bell, including the Red Ochre Classic at Dubbo. And didn't she run second in the Queensland Oaks one year? Yeah, I think she ran third in the Derby as well the week after. Mm. Yeah, nice she was just a, oh, she was she was the best horse I've ever yeah, trained, I think, John. Just she always had a like niggling injuries, like Santa's wise is a late two year old and early three-year-old that yeah, we sort of had to try and keep on top of. And, yeah, I thought the world of her, I thought she could have been anything. And then she done what she done. Um, yeah, I think she went 55 around Dubbo for the 2100. Like, it's a track record now. I don't think they'll ever get near it. Like, mm. it's unheard of around a half-mile track like that. Mm. But, yeah, I thought the world of her. And then come back as a four-year-old and then she, um, yeah, done her throat, like, yeah, couldn't breathe and had had to have a throat operation and she got back to the races, but, yeah, she wasn't Not half the, the horse. No. Yeah, she was before, but, which is unfortunate, but, yeah, that's another hard luck story, but everyone's got them. And what about She's a Sharpie? She only had 10 starts. You won the Young Oaks. You ran third in the Victorian Oaks final. She obviously uh, had problems too. Yeah, well, she's another... Heartbreak story too, John. She yeah, she developed a a throat issue as well. Like when we had her, we sort of yeah, knew that she yeah, had a, had a little issue, but it just yeah, got a little bit worse. And just the vet said to put her out, and yeah, they can grow out of these things. But she didn't, and uh, so we decided to get her operated on, and yeah, brought her back. And yeah, she's only in work about six weeks, and could already tell that yeah, she wasn't even gonna get to. The races, so she was another hard luck story. Oh, that's a heartbreak. We should acknowledge the efforts of one of your current colour bearers, the Texas Ranger. He's won nine races, 16 placings, almost $100,000. You bred him from a mare called She's All Magic, which you trained to win many races. Now, 
you tell me he was a silly two-year-old, very hard to get going, and to this day, Brad, he's a rough-going old son of a gun. Yeah, that's that's right, Johnny. Yeah, you wouldn't sit behind a, a worse horse uh, gate-wise. He yeah, feels like he's going to gallop. He's like driving a, a rocking horse, but... <laughs> or, Half it's just because he he tries to go so hard and uh, just wants to wants to try so hard and that's what half his battle. But mm. uh, he's a terrible going horse. He cross fires and can touch both knees and he wears bloomers. But mm. all he wants to do is be a horse and uh, go for you. But uh, if he was good gated, he he could be well could have been a, a really nice horse. But mm. he's handy enough as it is anyway. Anyway, still going around. He wasn't disgraced on Saturday night, and you're hoping for another one or two. Yeah, like it, that's right, John. Especially the way the um, handicapping is here, like it actually suits him. Once they yeah, don't run a place for a few starts or whatever, they get in a, a race suitable for him, and they pick up one or two, and then yeah, go around again for another half dozen, and yeah, they he would just keep on chipping away for the next couple of years, hopefully. Mm. You've been placed in a number of Group 1 races, but so far you've been able to win only one. It was a three-year-old Breeders' Challenge final at Menangle on Rockin' Marty. Now, that was pretty good, driving the winner of a Group 1, but it could have been even better because he was trained by your dad, who was recovering from injury at the time. No, he, he was uh, back at the time. Johnny had actually mm. had um, I'm Bruce Almighty in the race. So, ah, two runners, yeah. Yeah, yeah he, he was stuck with Bruce and, yeah, I got to drive Marty, so it worked out well. Mm. Now, of your current crop, you've got a couple there that you think punters should follow. Sendit is one of them who hasn't had much luck with barrier draws lately. Yeah, he's a really nice horse, John. I think in yeah, another... Six or twelve months' time, he can sort of go to yeah, nearly top level. Like it just them sorts of races. Just he loves it, high pressure races and yeah, distance racing. He, he's just, I think, a, a lot of him. He only got beaten neck the other day, like against horses like Wolf Stride and out to play and Max Delight. They're all Grand Circuit horses. Like they're racing, mm-hmm. two of them racing the Miracle Mile, and he was only a neck, a neck away from him. So yeah, he's. Certainly got plenty of ability. Mm, when's he in again, Brad? Uh, well, he just had a, a week or 10 days off after that race and I'm just getting him ready for the um, Tab Regional Championships that are coming up in another uh, two or three weeks, I think. So, right. yeah, that'll be his next assignment. All right. We've marked him down. Send it. And the other one is a filly called Arma Renegade who was actually placed in a Group 1 early in the season. She's won four races so far, and you tell me she's getting better all the time. Yeah, that's right, John. I've got a big opinion of her too. I think she's only been unplaced once, and that was in the New South Wales Oaks a month or so ago. So, um, yeah, she's she's a really nice filly, and I think she can yeah, go to good heights as well. Mm, all right, send it and Armour Renegade from the Brad Hewitt stable in the immediate future. Now, not everybody in your life comes from a harness racing family. Your partner, Millie, didn't know there was such a thing as a harness horse until she met you. Have you converted her yet? Yeah, she, she loves it. Yeah, she yeah, really gets into it. She doesn't, yeah, doesn't sort of go along with the fly. Like she's involved with everything. Yeah, she gets it down there and gets a 
shovel and a rake in her hand and gets in and has a go at everything. And <laughs> that's good. Yeah, she's driven driven a few in truck work and that, but yeah, she's re- she really enjoys it. Well, she won't have time for horses or anything else for a while because you and Millie are the parents of a pigeon pair, Ruby, who'll soon be two, and William, who's just a few weeks old. Yeah, that's right, John. Yeah, welcomed a little boy into the world only a few weeks ago, and mm. yeah, things are definitely a bit full on at the, at the minute. But yeah, it won't be long, and yeah, things will get better, and they'll both be down the stables helping out. Hopefully, I'm sure they will, mate. And you'll know by the time they're eleven or twelve years of age whether or not they've inherited the Hewitt genes. Yeah, well, hopefully they get their mother's brain. She's a, a <laughs> accountant, so hopefully they they can go down that track. It'd be a nice mix. Yeah, it would be. (laughs) Well, Brad, it's been great to catch up. You're one of the most impressive young horsemen of your generation and you represent one of the most respected families in the history of the sport in New South Wales. May the winners flow freely. Thanks for joining us on a podcast produced by Supernova Sound. Uh, Thanks for the kind words, John, and uh, thanks for having me. It's been a pleasure.